You're here with us tonight, and as we have already stated, it's been a full schedule today. Please join us, if you would, tomorrow morning, 6 a.m. or thereafter, for devotions, and I know that you'll be blessed. And, and through the day, tell somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's doing in your heart and life. May I also say a word of thanks to our tremendous church and to people who love this ministry. The giving has been overwhelming. And while it's not the same as if we had a full crowd in our services on site, it is such a blessing to know that you're out there and that you're still faithfully supporting with your prayer and with your loyalty, your love, and with your giving. Praise God for that. Don't stop. Send it in. The work of God goes on. The needs are still here and around the world with our missionary endeavors. And so I want to thank you for that. Please turn with me to a familiar passage of Scripture tonight. This is, of course, our altered schedule in order to accommodate our live streaming. Romans chapter 1. Romans, Paul's greatest work, we think. Uh, first among his 13, perhaps 14 letters. If he wrote Hebrews, we don't know. But these, these words in Romans are lofty words. I've got several commentaries just on the book of Romans. And these are so stirring, so uplifting. But, of course, we see in them the Lord Jesus Christ. And we see the depths of truth with respect to redemption. The death, the burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a great, a great truth taught here. It is a book of practical living as well. The good news of Jesus Christ is more than just something we store away in our brain. It's more than something that we memorize in school. But the good news of Jesus Christ presents a life-transforming, life-changing experience for the believer whereby we are able to live out before a lost and dying world the truth that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. We can have a new life. We can have a dynamic life of righteousness being justified freely by God's grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord for this truth. And we need to take a closer look tonight at how this transformative truth uh, translates into daily living. And so we're going to read a familiar scripture and then pray. That familiar scripture, of course, is Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. Verse 16 of Romans chapter 1 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And now may we pray, Lord, you've given us your word. We believe every letter of every syllable is inspired, God-breathed. We believe every bit of it is also preserved for us. We thank you for the King James Bible, which is the pure word of God in the English language for the English-speaking world. I thank you now for everyone who is listening, and may we listen not only with our ears, but may we tune in with our hearts. And Lord, do a work right now. Begin in me. Do a work 
Change me and change everyone for your glory. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. So the good news isn't just a doctrine to be stored away within our mental capacity. But rather, it is something that changes us. And the fact that we have been changed makes us to want to share that transformation with others. I want you to see how important it is that we take the same spirit as the Apostle Paul with respect to this great truth. I'm holding uh, an old, a yellow, ancient copy of the Sword of the Lord. And I've been taking it for a long, long time. I'm a lifetime subscriber. But this is back in the final year of Dr. John R. Rice's tenure as the founder and editor of the Sword of the Lord. And on page number one, there is uh, an article, a message from evangelist and pastor Hugh Pyle, who was a friend of mine. He's now with the Lord, but a great servant of the Lord. And it is entitled, Certified Christians. Certified Christians. I want you to ponder that for just a moment. He uses as his text, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 11, where Paul says, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. We've been in the book of Galatians on Wednesday evening, and I'm well acquainted with both the occasion and the scripture. But Hugh Pyle says this, To teach in most places, one must have a certificate. To serve in some capacities, one must be certified, meaning proved by a certificate. The dictionary definition of certified is guaranteed, reliably endorsed. Certified milk is milk that conforms to certain official standards. A CPA is a certified public accountant, one having an official certificate. To certify, then, is to guarantee as certain, to assure or inform with certainty, to vouch for. There has often been asked the question, if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? That thought-provoking question has been appearing on church bulletin boards recently. How would you answer it? Are you a certified Christian? He goes on to state that Paul was a certified, a guaranteed Christian. And I want everyone tonight within the sound of my voice and those who are here and those who will be viewing, I want you to consider that. Are you, are you a certified Christian? Christian. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 and 4, Paul identifies the gospel. He says, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Now this is the gospel to which Paul refers. He was not ashamed to preach it. He was not ashamed to die for it. But more importantly and more pertinently in our situation, he was not ashamed to live it. 
We might say, I'll die for Jesus Christ. These are the times that certainly try believers. And folks are saying, you know, if, if someone came and pointed a gun at me and said, deny Jesus Christ, I'd say, go ahead and shoot and make it quick. But you know what? That's not the bigger question. The larger question is, are we willing to live for Jesus as a certified believer in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're coming up on that season of the year. The world calls it Easter. We call it resurrection. It's the time when we celebrate the rising of Jesus Christ from the dead. A most amazing thing, though we may have become used to that idea, the idea itself is certainly amazing that one would rise from the dead to die no more, and Jesus Christ is the first fruits. Jesus Christ rose from the dead that we might likewise rise from the dead. Every born-again believer ought to be able to say with Paul, with conviction, I'm a certified believer. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Uh, Caesar Malin, or Malin, the well-known evangelist of over a century ago, uh, was the instrument that God used in the conversion of Charlotte Elliot. Now, you may say, who is Charlotte Elliot? Well, she is the writer of the well-known hymn, Just As I Am. And uh, he was once traveling by stagecoach on a long, dusty journey. The company was a mixed company, and... Malin occupied his time in refreshing his soul by reading the Scripture, and he did it out loud. You say, well, that could be irritating. But he did it out loud because he was not ashamed of the Word of God. An infidel, an unbeliever, fellow traveler, was greatly annoyed and remarked that he wondered at an intelligent man reading what was not fit for women and children. Now, please keep in mind that unbelievers will use all kinds of intimidation They'll try to do everything they can to get us to stop doing right because do, our doing right bothers them so much. And that is the truth of the matter. Malin's only answer was just to continue reading aloud suitable scripture. The infidel retorted by asking if he could give no better answer than reading from that antiquated book. Malin turned to another scripture and he read it and another scripture and read it. Did I not tell you I do not believe a word of that book? Malin replied, this is what it says. Reading another portion and another portion, the adversary finally was silenced and no more was said. A colonel, a friend of Malin's fellow traveler, on alighting from the coach said, much as I love and respect you, Malin, it seems to me you are not quite fair to your adversary in only reading scripture in answer to his arguments. Colonel, was Malin's reply. What is that that you carry at your side? Why, my sword. Now, if you face the enemy in battle, would you argue with him that this blade is a weapon? No, I would plunge it into him. Well, Colonel, that is exactly what I was doing. I wasn't arguing that the Bible was a sword. I was simply plunging it into him. And some years after, a stranger came to Malin and asked, Pardon me, do you remember me? Malin answered, I do not recall you. Do you remember being on a dusty stagecoach ride with an infidel who objected to your reading the Bible out loud? Yes, 
Yes, now that you mention it, I remember it perfectly well. Well, I am that man. And I wish to tell you that it led me to read the Bible for myself and to find Jesus as my own blessed Savior. What a triumph of grace. What a testimony to the, the power of the living Word. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than that kernel sword, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even through the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, Paul said. He was a certified Christian. The question tonight is, are we truly certified Christians, or are we ashamed of God's word and of the gospel truth? There was a day when Charles Haddon Spurgeon caught a lot of flack for a lot of different things. But he was being criticized from both sides. And he was being criticized for not coming promptly enough, someone thought, to the defense of the Bible when the Bible was being attacked. And Spurgeon's response was this, preacher. Defend the Bible? Huh. Defend the Bible? I would as soon think of defending a lion. Unchain it, and it will defend itself. This has been the true spirit from the first century to the 21st century. We need to unchain the Word of God. What is the Word of God chained with? What is the gospel chained with? What is the truth chained down with? It's chained down with our shame, with our hesitation, with our being backed up on our heels and not being ready to give every man an answer of the hope that lies within us. I'm not ashamed, Paul said. And we need to be as he was, not ashamed, but rather certified believers. Certified believers. Would you notice what Paul says in this text itself? Paul says, I am not ashamed. First of all, we would say that this declaration of His is personal. It's personal. I love to hear testimonies of those who have stood for God. I love to read about the great missionaries, the great evangelists, the great preachers, the great martyrs of the faith. And then I must stop and think, have I personally stood where they stand? Am I willing to stand where they once stood? And am I willing to be and to do as they have been and done. You see, it's personal. I am not ashamed. And then notice the second word, am. Am. I've told you many times I was taught uh, by the old-fashioned method, by a little tiny, little wizened up seventh grade teacher, all the forms to be. As follows, be, am, is, or was, were, been, have, has, had, do, did, does, can, could, shall, should, will, would, may, might, must, and ought. And across... The expanse of time, these 50-some years, I still remember that because it was drilled into this thick head. And I remember the forms of to be. Am, am is present. Not only is I personal, but am is present right now. Don't tell me what you used to do for God. Don't tell me what you intend to do in the future. Tell me what you're doing right now for God by His grace and for His glory. And then he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power 
of God. It's personal, it's present, and it's powerful. A friend of mine graduated from Bible college. He moved to the south and there took a church. And as he began his ministry, in those days you could go on the radio and you could buy slots of time for about a dollar a minute. And your radio station might reach the limits of your city or your county, but you'd be able to get the gospel out by yet another means. And he did that. And he called his program Gospel Dynamite. Why is that? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is dynamic. It is like dynamite. It is powerful. And we often say, well, I've gotten a hold of something. But when it comes to the truth of the gospel, that Jesus died, he was buried, and he rose again, and that alone is the basis of our salvation and our Christian experience. Everything that's personal with the Lord. Why, it's not that we've gotten a hold of something. Why, it's gotten a hold of us. God's got us. And that grip, that grip of grace is so real. I want to ask you tonight, whether you're here or whether you're out there and you're listening, watching, viewing this tonight, I want to ask you a probing question. Has that grip of grace got you? Do you sense that grip right now? Are you aware of the fact of your redemption through the gospel truth of the shed blood, the empty cross, the empty tomb, the victory that Jesus Christ has over death and sin and hell? Have you experienced that? Is it real in your life? If it is, are you a certified Christian? Are you the real deal? There's nothing more damaging to the cause of Jesus Christ than those who are empty professors without being possessors of the truth. If tonight you've just done lip service, but rather your life is not filled to overflowing, if you're not experiencing the joy of the Lord, the abundant life, then you have to take a long, hard look at your experience. Is it genuine? Is it in fact by grace through faith? Have you truly been saved the Bible way? Or is it something other than that? How are we often ashamed? We are the, the 180 degree opposite of Peter and John. As Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, they were used by God to heal a man that was afflicted whereby the testimony spread like wildfire. And eventually, eventually they were called into question concerning this belief of theirs in this man, Jesus Christ. The Bible says when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they, they realized some things. Here are some facts. These are not educated men with a classical education. A practical one, yes. Shoe leather, yes. But not the kind of school book uh, education that we would normally think of. Uh, they, they didn't have a, a cultured background. So they didn't have the, the background of some. They didn't have the education of some. They didn't have the prowess or the position of some. But what they had that made them so powerful and caused them to manifest holy boldness was that they had been 
with Jesus. Sir, ma'am, boy, girl, listen to me. Have you been with Jesus? Is the reality of your experience one-on-one? Have you met the Savior? If that is the case, then like Paul, you can say, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I am not ashamed. I'm not ashamed so that you won't be silent. How many times have we had an opportunity to speak up and we were silent when we should have spoken? How many times has there been a space of time or perhaps uh, we didn't speak soon enough and the opportunity was lost? How many times have we had an opportunity to speak up for Jesus, but instead we were so general in what we did say. We were not specific enough. I mentioned this this morning. What a shame it is when something good happens and people question us about the source, uh, the reason, the, the background to this good deed. And we say, well, because I go to church, I'm a church member, I'm moral or I'm religious. It has nothing to do with that. There are plenty of church attenders who are moral who do not do what we do, who do not believe what we believe and are not on their way to heaven because they don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's be specific. Jesus has made the difference in my life. Something happened to me X years ago and that's when I met Jesus Christ. Do you know him, sir? Do you know him, ma'am? We need to speak up. We need to not be silent. We need to speak up without allowing a lapse in time. We need to speak up soon. We need to speak up specifically. And then we need to back it up with our life. It needs to be a life of service because we know whom we have believed. And we are persuaded that He is able to keep that which we have committed unto Him against that day. We may make grandiose declarations. We may talk, a very big talk. But what about our walk? Our profession may be large, but what about our possession? Is it real? Do we back up our profession with a possession that is so genuine, so authentic, that nobody can doubt it? It's real. There are many declarations among professors, but there are not so many dedications among those who truly live the truth. Live the truth. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. That's what Paul said. That's what he said. Do you and I agree with Paul? Are we in that same designation? Are we certified Christians? Now, I did a little uh, searching through the Old Testament as well as the New. And I have another scripture to share with you. Turn back into the Psalms, to Psalm 31. Psalm 31 and verse number 1. In thee, O Lord, notice that, underscore thee, in thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in thy righteousness. Tonight, are you truly a possessing 
Not simply a professing child of God. Are you a saved, born again Christian? Are you certified? If you are, tell somebody. I heard an evangelist one time, he said he was sorry to see so many sour, sorry kind of Christians that never looked like it on the outside. He said, if, if you're saved down in your heart, then have your heart tell your face and show people that you've been born again and have a smile and have a good word on your lips. Be joyful because joy is the fruit of the Spirit and it should bubble up, it should well up and overflow and people should know that we're truly saved. Have you been born again? Have you told anybody lately? Have you shared the truth with anyone lately? Oh, how important this is. If you're not going to be ashamed of being a Christian, then prove it by telling somebody. Make up your mind. In the next 24 hours, you're going to tell somebody. You say, how do I do that? Well, you could do it this way. You could just walk up to them and say, I've got something to tell you. And that would be all right. That may not be the best way or the better way, but it is a way to do it. And by the way, it's better than not doing it. So tell somebody what God has done in your life, what Jesus Christ has accomplished in your behalf. Share that with somebody. But find a way to do that. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, to give you an open door of opportunity. Every time in my Christian experience when I have prayed and said, Lord, please cross my paths with somebody today that needs you. Every time there has been, I mean, that right in your face opportunity to share Jesus Christ. There has never been a time in my experience when I prayed that prayer that God didn't give me at least one opportunity to share my faith in Jesus Christ. The fact that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, it may be in the form of somebody saying what a rough time they're having, how difficult these days are. You're going to hear a lot of that conversation. There's a, 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 just a huge amount of complaining and, and concern being expressed verbally all around us at this time. There has never been, look at it this way, never been a better time to say, well, let me just shine a ray of sunshine in the midst of all this gloom and doom and darkness. Let me give you some light here where there isn't any. Let me tell you something right now that Jesus Christ is my Savior and He's still on the throne. And whatever a person may say to impugn Jesus Christ, He's not responsible for the consequences and the end effects of our living in a sin-cursed world. But He rather is the solution. He is the answer to the problem. So instead of casting stones at Jesus Christ or God and saying things like, if God is so great or if Jesus is real, then why are people in pain and why are people dying and why are people in discomfort and why are people going through such rough times? You might say, do you know this is an opportunity for us to turn to God? This is an opportunity. It seems like they're trying everything up in Washington and down in Richmond and wherever you may be. Uh, wherever they're at work on these problems, they've tried everything they need to try the most important and the most logical solution, and that is let's turn to God and see what He does about it. And then, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. It does not really matter if God is really on the throne, and He is. If Jesus Christ is really the Savior of those who will turn to Him, if grace is genuine, if God's Word is really true, then why don't we try Him? Amen. Amen. So bring it up. 
Share it with somebody in the next 24 hours. If you're not ashamed of having put your trust in the person and the finished work of Jesus Christ, then the scripture says, let me never be ashamed. Let there never be a second, a minute, an hour that I'm ashamed of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. All right, so put that down. If you're not ashamed that you're saved, then tell somebody. Number two, in that same psalm, Psalm 31, look at verse 17. Let me not be ashamed, O Lord. Now look at this. For I have called upon thee. Let the wicked be ashamed. Let them be silent in the grave. Do you see how silence and shame are linked together in the case of the wicked? What did I say a few moments ago? Our shame is often expressed by silence when we ought to speak up. What do the lost have to share? They have nothing of eternal value. They, they may live their life. They may give the appearance of being carefree, but when it's over, they have to face God as their judge, having never considered the claims of Jesus Christ as Savior. We as children of God who have, who have professed to possess salvation in and through Jesus Christ, we pray, let me not be ashamed, O Lord, for I have called upon thee. So here we are, a, a possessing child of God, but also a prayer warrior. A prayer warrior. I'm not ashamed that God answers prayer. When we're talking to people in the next 24 hours about Jesus Christ still being the answer, Jesus Christ is still the one to whom we turn. We can say, do you know that God answers prayer? Let me give you some examples in my own personal life. We have seen God answer prayer. I don't know if you know Pastor Bob Mays, but that went down the prayer chain. Pastor Bob Mays has been at the First Baptist Church of Deal, Maryland for years, and many of our preacher brethren uh, know him well. And he was on his way to the hospital with what was an apparent stroke, and he got to the hospital. We were praying while he was on the way there, we sent it down the prayer chain and all around the world in various uh, time zones, people were praying for a man they'd never met, but they were requested to pray. And these people who know how to pray, how to get a hold of God, God's gotten a hold of them and they have this prayer chain going on and they were praying for him. He got there and the next day the word came back that the spot that they had found on the CT scan had somehow suddenly disappeared. And they're amazed. And I'm amazed too. But there's a difference between those folks that are amazed and don't know why it happened and those of us who are still amazed and we know why it happened. Why it happened is summed up in this. God answers prayer. He still does. God still loves you. He still cares about you. And He still hears our prayers. And He answers them according to His perfect will. If, in fact, you are a prayer warrior, then don't be ashamed of the fact that that's how God works through us. Let's tell people that. Let's tell people. I, I realize that in this modern time when people don't believe in things like that, uh, they might move away from you when you start talking about it, but try not, try not to look glassy-eyed and cult-like when you're telling them that God <laughs> answers prayer. He really does. Amen and amen. A prayer warrior, a 
a possessing child of God. But I want to show you something else. Over in Mark chapter 8, back to the New Testament. Back to the New Testament. It says in Mark 8, 38, Whosoever therefore shall be ashamed of me and of my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him also shall the Son of Man be ashamed when he cometh. Now, I'm not ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ, but here we have something very interesting. Ashamed of him and of my words. When we have the Bible referred in Psalm Chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. There is that phrase, words, uh, words. Uh, those words that are settled, those words that are purified words. Uh, and we have a pure Bible. And tonight, I want to tell you that if you're not ashamed of Jesus Christ, you're not ashamed to tell people you've been saved, that you're a born-again child of God. You're not ashamed to tell them that God still answers prayer. You're a prayer warrior. You're not ashamed. And you're not ashamed to possess a perfect Bible. It's a pure, purified Bible. It is, it is a Bible that still practically gets answers. And praise God for that. I'm not ashamed of my King James Bible. It's pertinent, preserved. It is the Word of God. It is powerful. It is transformative. And I have to go back to something that Billy Sunday said in his biography. A quote, so many quotes <laughs> I can't get away from, but this quote is so true. One spark of fire, one spark of fire can do more to prove the power of gunpowder than a whole library on the subject. I like that. I like that. Christians... Think about that. It's not merely having the gospel up here in our head or having textbook learning, but rather it's allowing Jesus Christ to live powerfully through us so that the gospel is revealed. That spark makes more sense at showing us the power of gunpowder than simply talking about gunpowder, simply giving you the scientific uh, uh, makeup of gunpowder, but rather that gunpowder is shown to be powerful with one single spark. That's it. That's it. When Paul preached to the intellectual Corinthians, he deliberately decided against trying to sound super intelligent. Instead of approaching the gospel on the basis of great education or of great intelligence, he said that his coming to the Corinthian Christians was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but what? In demonstration of the Spirit and of power. There you go. All the libraries in the world containing all the information about gunpowder can't do what one spark can do. And that's it. The power of God unchained in our life. The power of our testimony of having been saved. Is it real? Are you a certified Christian? Or are you ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are you certified as a born-again believer? Are you certified as a prayer warrior who gets answers to your prayers and God moves through your life in a powerful way? Are you certified as a pure Bible believer? One who believes in the preservation 
of the Scriptures. If that is the case, you can through your life, sir, ma'am, boy or girl, anyone within the sound of my voice, you can, like that spark of fire, prove more than all the books of all the studies that have been done on gunpowder. Do you understand what I'm saying? We can make a difference. We have to make a difference. We need to make a difference. God helping us. Let's be certified Christians. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you pray from your heart to God right now? Would you pray something like this? Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. If you prayed that prayer and meant it, would you slip your hand up? Anyone at all?